0: This is Consumed, a podcast featuring casual conversations with eaters, drinkers, thinkers, and makers around California's Central Coast and beyond. I'm Jamie Lewis, and this is my 10th season, which means I've done a hundred episodes. Let's celebrate, shall we? I wanna start by saying thank you to a couple sponsors. First, I'm always grateful for Ranchos de Anaveros wines in the Santa Maria Valley. Did you ever see the movie Somme? Remember the young blonde guy who eventually became a master sommelier? His name is Ian Cobble, and he recently had this to say about James Oniveros' Native 9 2013 Pinot Noir. This wine left an indelible impression on me, renewing my faith in California Pinot Noir's ability to age. Had I tasted it blind, I might have easily mistaken it for a polished and much more expensive Moray Saint Denis wine from a Premier Cru vineyard. The 2013 native 9 from James Onoveros' Heritage Vineyard overlooking the Santa Maria Valley is a wine any Burgundy producer would be proud to have made. This is high, high praise, my friends. Taste Ranchos de Onaveros wines yourself at the station in Los Alamos or learn more at ranchosdeonoveros.com. Thanks also to Slow Life Magazine, the publication that delights in sharing the spirit of San Luis Obispo, California. I'm considering writing about Hawaiian food restaurants for my next food column in the magazine, like Shave Ice at Big Al's in Avila Beach, Hawaiian Plate Lunches at Red Dirt Coffee House in Arroyo Grande, and Span Musubi at Kilo Kilo Brewing in Paso Robles. Wanna learn more? Pick up Slow Life on newsstands at Boo Boo Records and Barnes and Noble, or subscribe at slowlifemagazine.com. Arsenio J. Lopez is a Mixteco native from a village in Oaxaca, Mexico. When he arrived in Oxnard, California, in 2003, Arsenio worked as a farm worker in the strawberry fields. Three years later, Arsenio was hired as a community organizer with the Mixteco Indigena Community Organizing Project, or MICOP, whose mission is to support, organize, and empower the indigenous migrant communities in California's Central Coast. I invited Arsenio on the podcast to talk about where most of the Central Coast indigenous migrants work, which is agriculture. We discuss the challenges Mixteco natives face while harvesting the food we eat, the ways MyCOP is making a difference, and the ways that those of us who are consumers can help. Here's Arsenio Lopez. Arsenio Lopez, I'm so grateful that you came to talk to me about MyCOP, am I saying that right? MyCOP? is no, correct, okay. that's correct.
1: Thank you for reminding me.
0: Yeah, of course. So tell, you know, there's a lot that I think my listeners don't know about, first of all, your organization, but the folks that you serve and why you serve them. So what does MYCOP stand for?
1: MYCOP stands for Misteco Indigena Community Organizing Project, Mm -hmm. and it's a nonprofit um, organization, 501c3, Mm -hmm. and um, that was founded in Ventura County in 2001. So this year is our 20th anniversary Oh my it's, been, it's been a long time
0: yeah why yeah. did it form
1: well it, it started uh, by a um, family nurse practitioner or a nurse sandy young uh, in oxner because a lot of her patients at the time she um, realized that they didn't uh, were able to communicate in spanish or english mm-hmm. so soon she, she realized that um, they speak other languages um, and she found out that many of them were Mixteco speakers Mm -hmm. and Mixtecos are indigenous people from southern part of Mexico in the state of Oaxaca and and Guerrero. Mm -hmm. So yeah, we have a a big population of uh, indigenous migrant communities coming from Mexico to USA Mm -hmm. for more than 20 years. But I think and around in the uh, at the end of the um 80s at the beginning of the 90s yeah is when the population really uh, exploded s- didn't exploded. it exploded yeah yeah. There were yeah a lot.
0: Mm-hmm. I saw let me see here I'm looking at notes. I saw something on your website that said California's home to an estimated 170,000 indigenous migrants from the Mexican states of Oaxaca Guerrero and Miquan, including Mixtecs Zapotecs and Purepecas?
1: Purepecha. Pura Pecha. Pura
0: Pecha. I don't speak Spanish, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I am completely useless in that regard. Um, but there are specific, it says, language barriers um, and cultural practices that have been held that have been brought here. And that's a big part of what you do is strengthen, organize that community.
1: Correct. Um, at first, the organization started, you know, with the intention to provide direct services to uh, our populations, like just basic information about health and and, and community resources for them and, and, and interpretation. Mm-hmm. But then as uh, the organization were expanding and growing, um, we realized that it's so crucial and important to add the advocacy component and yeah. the organizing, which... Means helping um, because a lot of uh, the indigenous migrants work in the agricultural industry in California. Right. So we uh, we we think it's important for them to know their rights um, mm-hmm. in this state. There is rights regardless of your legal status mm-hmm. uh, as a as a employee as a worker. Uh, there is specific rights and 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 the best way to support uh, individuals from underrepresented communities is. is providing them with information, empowering them by, know, by helping them to, to know their, their rights and, 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 and help them to use their voice, right? When there mm-hmm. is injustice or when there is inequalities or, or behaviors that are not acceptable from yeah. their employers. Um, so that's one way and also like uh, we have laws in the United States where um, if you are trying to access health mm-hmm. uh, care services, Um, you have the right to get those those services in your language Mm. you know not only Spanish or English Um, it's the obligation of these institutions to provide those services uh, culturally and linguistically appropriate Mm. Um, we cannot be in everywhere and with every single individual so we believe it's important to empower them and that to to advocate for themselves yeah so right now the organization has 20 different programs around, you know, organizing uh, on the workplace. Um, we do have mental health programs. We have youth uh, um, leadership development uh, programs, um, indigenous women leadership uh, mm. trainings, mm. Uh, indigenous interpreters program, mm-hmm. and so on. So this, there's different. And you're right. Um, we don't have a specific Kind of like census or data source mm-hmm. for us to really have a very um accurate counting of uh, indigenous migrant in I'm this sure. state yeah. um but in 2008 the um it was a study that's called the indigenous farmworkers um study and through that research we learned that in California we have about 100 more than 170 you know mm-hmm. almost 200 200,000 indigenous farm workers mm-hmm. in California and yeah
0: would you say that indigenous farm workers constitute the majority, like the vast majority of agricultural workers in California?
1: I will say right now 60 to 70 okay. percent of the That's workforce higher. is yeah. high. I will say before the 90s, probably was mainly um, Spanish-speaker Mexican. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I will say between the Bracero program in the 40s mm-hmm. to the 80s, uh, his uh, Spanish speakers mainly from Mexico.
0: Will you explain that Bracero project?
1: Well, in, in the 80s, you know how... Um, there was a shortage of um, uh, workers farm workers uh, to pick up the, the agriculture or do the agricultural work in, in the united states mm-hmm. so the usa government uh created this program that's called like bracero and it's basically recruiting um people from mexico country Mm -hmm. and legally bring them here as a kind of a guest workers Mm -hmm. um, to be able to uh, do the work that nobody wanted to do it here because they couldn't recruit any workers locally in Mm -hmm. this country. So Mm -hmm. they brought them for a few months and they brought them from everywhere, like in in the agricultural industry. And then once the work was done Mm -hmm. or done, then they will bring these workers back to their countries. Um, that Bracero program went from the forties, I will say to the sixties okay. and that disappears, mm-hmm. you know, and then, um, but people, you know, with the people that came here, they stayed here, here and yeah. they were looking for to, to get their legal status permanently to mm-hmm. stay in the United States. But many people were brought back to Mexico but they didn't have other kind of um, opportunities anymore there you know they learned this country they know that they could have a better opportunity better life Mm -hmm. and they start crossing the borders um not necessarily with proper documentation
0: okay i you're raising so many questions for me i know i'm going to be all over the place so forgive me if i bounce around quite a bit so when i mean there's a perception in the u.s that um you know that there are so many more opportunities for folks so if they are going through that project they're seeing that there are opportunities here in the U.S. and they want to stay Um, I guess my question is if they want to stay in general we're not speaking I know it's not a monolith and we're just you know but the numbers bear out that a lot of people want to be here why do they want to be here if conditions aren't great you know in in the field or in harvesting packing all of that what is that feels like a tension to me between um you know this is a better place but also it can be a really tough place can you speak to that
1: of course i I think before answering that question i want to acknowledge that i think migration um it's been part of the human lives and animal lives living you know B- birds, you know, travel from yeah. one place to another place, you know, to reproduce themselves. Mm-hmm. So I just want to acknowledge that that migration will always be part of, um, you know, any like living organism. Yes, great, uh, great point, uh, and, 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 and human beings are part of it, right? So mm-hmm. um, there are factors or cir- cir- uh, circumstances that push people to move from one place to to other place. Sometimes mm-hmm. is because of economic factors, right? Or it's um um social problem issues and they're on your own communities that you don't you don't necessarily find better life opportunities for yourself and your family mm-hmm. so that pushes you to go and look and seek for it for yeah. better opportunities there is people who move from one place to another place for pleasure mm-hmm. or for just to have that um economic capability right mm-hmm. um to move and and say like i'm gonna go and move in europe i yeah. have the money and i will find a job or in australia state. Yeah.
0: or wherever yeah
1: but in the and in, in regards to specifically to indigenous communities you know there's a history of, on indigenous people of mm-hmm. um abuse of using uh our, our our communities for more than hundred years mm-hmm. uh, you know when mm-hmm. invasions happened in our country or in our in our uh, continent in the america continent mm-hmm. right so um indigenous people were in this what is called the america continent yeah uh and they came and and start like owning everything right it's just taking the lands from us abusing our our, our nature resources mm-hmm. um and it started becoming all these like colonialism process uh neoliberal, neoliberal uh process where the indigenous who were the owners of these lands mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and start like running to to save their lives mm-hmm. because if they stayed with a new system they will be either killed mm-hmm. or they will be prisoners right or die of disease or, or die well. of diseases yeah. mm-hmm. um so that we need to acknowledge that history mm-hmm. of oppression that many of these new system created with this policy and this is what we're you still seeing it right now, right? Mm-hmm. For example, NAFTA, which is the mm-hmm. the uh, uh, international uh, trade um, agreement between USA and Mexico, right? Mm-hmm. To to be able to um, but but Mexico they don't have that capac- capacity to compete yes. <laughs> with huge, huge, it's huge. It's uh, the hugest. companies, right? Yeah. yeah. So who has more um who 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 we put in disadvantages? Always, always it will be minorities, mm-hmm. underrepresented communities, people of colors who will be suffering the most, mm-hmm. many oftentimes because of these type of agreements, these type of policies. Mm-hmm. And that's a, the situation with our indigenous people in our communities. Many of these people that comes to this country, um, they're trying to escape from poverty mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. for the conditions that they have in their own lands. They're trying to find um, better opportunities for the children, the, the new generations to get education. Acknowledging that here is very difficult. Yeah. It's a lot of various, it's a lot of challenges, mm-hmm. but it's a way to survive here yeah. than be, stay under your communities and die, yep. right? right. Um, but I also want to say that some of us, we come with a, the hope that we just come work for six months mm-hmm. works for a year and go back
0: yes i think that's a very right? common story isn't it's, it? a, it's
1: a very common situation that's yeah. a, that was a dream ambition of my parents and my grandparents that came in this country they never came with a vision to stay in this country mm-hmm. but circumstances right so because my my family history was a little bit different my parents were able to get the legal status to the urca oh, wow. the the 86 um you know uh, immigration law out amnesty and okay. the regan uh, presidency oh, wow okay so you're educating
0: that, me a lot i'm embarrassed yeah. <laughs> how little i know just no. bear with me okay yes
1: um and with that my dad was able to travel mm-hmm. back and forth he would just come here for six months or one year and he will come back mm-hmm. um, he will do um, labor uh, agriculture work and the strawberry and the peppers industry and the gate grapes industry lettuce industry mm-hmm. and um, celery he will do all that kind of of work he will be traveling from oxnard gilroy madera california mm-hmm. salinas um, Monterey uh, County, which is Santa Cruz County, those areas he will be like follow all that journey for a year, yeah. two years he will go back mm-hmm. to see us right yeah, but it got to the point where our lives were not sustainable in our own village mm. because the higher level of education was sixth grade for me yeah, and he had to decide either to bring us all here in the United States so we can have access to middle school because it was not realistic for you know his children to move out you know have Mm -hmm. other expenses so that's just one example of the dynamic of our communities but my family history might not be the same as someone who has not that flexibility or that right to have a legal recommendation to come back and forth
0: yes right
1: because if they do that that's why a lot of people like every day we are uh, seeing people die in the borders, trying to cross yeah. the border. Yeah, you know, there's a family separation. There's family that that they come for three, four years. They, they have they have to go back and see their families. Yeah. but then they are being there for like a year, two years. But they have to come back here mm-hmm. to be able to to find some families that the goal is to bring their family here. And made it to this side, crossing the border, risking their lives for three, four days walking in the, in the uh, you know in the mountains and all that. Some of them who made that cross and they they stay here. They have no other alternatives. Yeah,
0: yeah. And you know, it's striking me as you're talking about this. I mean, the whole reason you're here is this podcast is about eaters, drinkers, thinkers, and makers. I do want to know about how you eat and drink. We get to the <laughs> really fun stuff, but this is important because. We would not, life could not be sustained in California or the U.S. without this population in the field harvesting the food that we value. A- am I overstating that?
1: No, you're not. Probably, I know, you're. <laughs> so
0: so the fact that, um, you know, the U.S. has this like push and pull with um, south of the border states is really, it's troubling to me because we want what we want. We want our berries. We want our peppers. We want our wine and our table grapes, but we don't. So we will give you employment status, but we will not give you the right to go back and forth. Um, that I'm sure I'm missing so many other angles of that argument and arguments against it. And I don't, I'm not a policymaker or policy hound by any means, but I can see very clearly that, um, You know, we want what we want, but we don't want what we don't. And we are picking and choosing, you know, which parts to honor in the indigenous population for sure. And for anybody who's out picking, harvesting and packing, um, that's a hard reality when I'm looking at my, you know, Driscoll's berries or the bottle of wine on my counter. That doesn't come from nowhere.
1: Right. 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 I mean, there's one reality here. I mean, consumers need to, like, be educated more about, mm-hmm. be to be more aware about every time, I, I will say, every time we sit on our tables with our families and we have, you know, that salad mm-hmm. of letters. Of course, you the know? greens. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All these greens. Probably sometimes or oftentimes we don't ask ourselves, like, what hands, like, how that that those individuals those hands that they were picking up those and make that possible in our tables how is their lives mm-hmm. do they have also food you know healthy food for for themselves and their families have they been treated with dignity mm-hmm. you know have have been them their working conditions have been in the conditions that is is like hum, human human uh, conditions mm-hmm. where, where we often see us from this side you know being from these these communities and be the advocates as the organizations where, where i work every day i see a lot of injustice of these people yeah you know yeah. uh when there is like heat strike you know people are dying in our fields picking up your strawberry picking up your grapes um people are dying There we have cases of uh, teens, you know, 18 years old, 16 years old, 18 years old, uh, girls who, who die from, from uh, a heat stroke. Mm-hmm. Uh, people not having clean waters to drink or they don't have shadow, even though there is all these laws that protects quote unquote protects workers. Yeah. But what is really lacking is that, um, enforcement system, like who is there to enforce that, you know, and protect them oh, to, and protect them. Right. So, i think we need to like be more um uh, curious to know and 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 just be more like um inviting people to to know that system how that, that that thing works who is working there we have we see teens working in the in the in agriculture on the fields mm-hmm. and have to like give their their uh, education dreams up. Yeah. you know for example mm-hmm. uh, I, I
0: went to high school with people who only went to say 10th grade, and then we didn't see them anymore. Right.
1: Yeah. And, and, and I think it might sound very strong, but I think that, uh, we have, uh, one of the things I always say that we are in a, in a system that is very, uh, hypocrite, hip, hypocritical, hypocritical, yeah, yeah, because here you are, you are just in the middle of the pandemic, right? We're just, we're telling the farm worker community farm workers uh, workforce these these workers saying they're essential workers yeah right they're essential workers that's so important because without them we will not have you know the food. So, so imagine these people every day have to take the risk Mm -hmm. you know when the pandemic started have to take the risk to decide either stay home and try to be safe for the next month which you're not going to complete for your rent or you're not going to have enough you know of uh, funds or money food for your food. Whatever, yeah. Or you have to take that risk, mm-hmm. you know, and, and go in and do the work. So this country has food. Yeah. Um and that's risking them risking their own lives and risking their family's life. Yeah. You know, because transportation sometimes has been a problems. The work conditions doesn't allow that six feet of uh, sure. distance uh, or employers were not providing the basic equipments uh, the ppe you mm-hmm. know um equipments for them to protect themselves hand sanitizers face masks like basic stuff. basic stuff yeah we as our organization have to pull our resources to be there doing the outreach and handling those materials to these workers mm-hmm. you know and them appreciating that so we're co- we're calling them essential workers but they're they don't have essential things mm-hmm. for their own health and for their own families yeah you know yeah. um and for many times often for their legal status they don't have access to any kind of benefits mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. you know all these there is this narrative out there that in california we're just bumping money throwing money to that these is illegals the yep yep but right. do we really understand that these quote-unquote illegals they cannot have access to that because they are required to have a good social security numbers.
0: Well, and yet agriculture, what what part of the California GDP is agriculture? Or not GDP, is that what I, well, but what, what part of our revenue as a state is agriculture? Isn't it, is it not number one? It's got to be close to number one.
1: I think it's number one. And when, so when there,
0: I mean, yeah to not provide benefits to the folks who, you know, again, we want what we want and we don't want what we don't want. And because we have the power to, um, as the, um, as the majority, I suppose, um, we get to decide as the people in power, we get to decide what we keep and what does not stay. Right. Right. I I was just thinking about, um, have you ever heard of the Santa Barbara? what's it called? The Santa Barbara phenomenon. Have you ever heard of that? No. It's where, uh, Santa Barbara County, particularly North Santa Barbara County. Um, so Santa Maria Lompoc orchid is where something like, you know, 99% of what grows there goes away from there. It gets packed in Southern California and gets shipped all over the world, 99% of what's grown there. Um, And if you look at the diversity of Santa Barbara County, it's just massive, right? And also Ventura County, Oxnard, huge diversity in terms of what's grown like, you know, avocado, berries, um, um, row crops, all of it, so, so much in diversity, but it almost all gets shipped away. And it reminds me of, you know, in China, people who are making your iPhone, don't own an iphone people <laughs> who are growing picking packing your food th- i'm i'm making a guess here i'm just making an assumption that they don't get access to that kind of food all the time
1: often oftentimes that's that's a the reality that's the case you know uh, all these um one of the things uh, at some point we had this project about um obesity and diabetes mm-hmm. and all these these uh, health issues that we see in the farm workers and i often I get bothered when people are saying like, well, oh, you you have that guilt. Now, is it's your fault for having all these diseases because of your poor diet?" Mm-hmm. But let's think about it, right? So, people who work in the agriculture industry, they don't make more than twenty k a year, right? Mm-hmm. And and food is very expensive. So, what can they afford for them and their families? They can afford McDonald's, one dollars. Mm-hmm last right when a salad might be three dollars or four dollars so people need to make poor choices because they don't have enough funds to to have access to those healthy food Mm -hmm. there's all these like organic (laughs) momentum about Mm -hmm. the organic food but very few people like certain specific or specific populations can have access or or have that financial power to buy those or be able to to afford those stuff. Often our families, their diets include Coke, which is yeah. a lot of sugar, you know, mm-hmm. drinks, um, or hamburgers and all this kind of stuff. Like, and there's a lot of advertisement on television. That's all what you see sometimes often as well, too. So, yeah, our, our people that are not allowed to take... It's not like I'm allowed to take a a, a basket of salad to my home and my yeah, family. Right. Or strawberries. Like, you are not allowed to that as a worker as a worker before I forget I, I was reading something about um, in Monterey right we have all these um, like in, in Ventura County Santa Barbara County other Santa Barbara is, is very industry yes. the, the Central Coast is very industries. Mm-hmm. people know this but also we have all, like the greens are you saying yeah. and I was reading this like 70% of the lar- the latest supplies in the whole country comes from Monterey and yes. I don't know if we, if we realize that you know mm-hmm. so all what California produce, I think, if I'm not mistaken, California um, has the fourth rank on on supplies on agriculture yes. to the whole country. Yes, I imagine. I think how, by far. You know, yeah. it's, imagine how crucial and how important. Mm-hmm. Think you know, of
0: almonds, all of the tree nuts, you know, in the valley. Table grapes, so so much ton of citrus.
1: Yeah, and it still we're pretty far away. For ensuring that people who make this possible, those workers, are getting compensated in a fair and, and equitable like yeah. uh, way, yeah. uh, and and protections and all of that. So I, I, I also want to say to that I acknowledge there is laws, there is policies, yeah. there and oftentimes as we say, they are in the books. Mm-hmm. You know mm-hmm. they are not really uh, being enforced. So that's another kind of work that we do. We're working with uh, water supervisors locally. We're working with stakeholders. We're trying to like reach out to consumers as well mm-hmm. and help them to be more aware about these injustices that we see with these uh, individuals because you know they're doing. Uh, because if they are not for them, we're not gonna have what we have in our tables. No, not even families. close. Right.
0: Yeah. Um, the I've worked a little bit in. Um, I teach at Cal Poly sometimes in the, um, ag communications department. And one of the things that my students, I think, uh, one of the things that we talk about a lot is safety in terms of, um, you know, like greens, not having E. Coli in them and, and you know, the Romaine scare of 2000, what? 17, something like that. Um, there are so many controls on the health and safety of for the consumer a lot of people don't realize yes we'll have an occasional you know spinach scare or um you know a meat scare whatever but truthfully the controls for the consumer are huge there are so many health and safety procedures i know from talking to farmers but there aren't as many there isn't as much concern for the people who are getting the food for us as there is for the consumer themselves. Um, we know that it's possible to have systems in place that protect people because we do it for our consumers, right?
1: Right. Well yeah, absolutely. I I, I think that if we're really concerned about that, we must start being started being concerned about those people who's actually using their hands picking up uh, those those greens. Mm-hmm. We need to like if I if I have um, if I can invite your audience to you know reach out to those growers and those companies and tell them i want you to provide gloves mm. like i want you to provide gloves th- these these equipments to the workers and do not expect workers to bring their own equipments because they cannot afford to bring their own mask or bring their own um you know gloves mm. we need to tell them to provide enough water uh, so people can can um wash their hands mm-hmm. when they use their restrooms or we need to tell them to Bring restrooms close to those workers, mm-hmm. um, because if we are concerned about these equalize or you know this kind of um, like cleanliness, you know, safety yeah, management right. of the produce, but if we're not providing equipments for these workers to be to ensure that they are managing all these in a in a healthy or clean way, mm-hmm. so I mean, and, and if we're not worried about the workers, so no matter how much you are concerned about your your um your produce to be like super well taken care of there's Mm -hmm. control in place if these workers are not providing with clean water you know enough uh restrooms not being provided with globes matt face masks, and Mm -hmm. all that stuff right so i think it has to be like a a whole circle yes if
0: if people did reach out to growers do you think the growers would listen
1: well i think that um what has been um well the answer is yes i i think the consumer I'm not gonna say that they're gonna do things like right away, but I think um, I always I'm, I'm I have a an organizer background, so I I, I really strongly believe on people's power. Mm-hmm. So if cons- consumers has power, right? So if consumers start getting more involved into this thing and trying to understand more what is what is going on there, you know. And they start reaching out either letters either calls they start mm-hmm. calling their local uh, board of supervisors um and and start saying like hey what is going on like are we reaching out to these farmers are we f- uh getting them to f- to be accountable are they protecting mm-hmm. the workers are the workers getting enough uh you know uh equipment to work safely and manage safely safely this this food mm-hmm. i think things don't change immediately but if if you are um Getting engaged and involved, I, I think things will get better. Yeah, um,
0: yeah. yeah. Um, do you know Michael Pollan, the author who wrote about? He's he's written a lot about um, sustainable food systems. He's just tremendous. He says you can vote with your vote, but vote with your fork. Mm-hmm. Vote with your forks, so, and I and I think that you know if nothing else, producers will always listen to the bottom line. And so it would be so cool. And maybe I'm probably ignorant to whether this exists or not, but it'd be so cool if there were some kind of a certification where when you buy your, you know, your greens that are in the little, you know, plastic clamshell box where it said on there somewhere like this company takes care of its people as one of its resources. There's probably, that's probably wrapped into other kinds of certifications. But I think if, if, People like me knew, as I'm learning from you, what the conditions are and how you know these the laws and the all of those rules that are not enforced. If people knew more about that as consumers, um, there is power in people's spending choices for sure. I think sometimes I, I really do think a lot of the time the thing that really moves companies is often whether their bottom line is impacted.
1: Right. I, I think if there's no demands there will not be um I mean that I'm trying to say like the consumer has power definitely. Huge the, power. The huge power. I, I, I think I think oftentimes we just go to what we get informed, like don't worry everything is going great. Because also this is this is a power power dynamic. Yeah. You know, yeah. this is a power dynamic. We need to we need to name it. Um Um, growers have a lot of power Mm -hmm. you know and there's a lot of conversation about what what is sustainable sustainability and the in the in the the food industry or the you know now we start having conversations about environmental justice climate change Mm -hmm. and how that can interact with the agricultural work and all that you know so i think there is um Sometimes there is this this um, there's a lot of people that are really trying to do something because of climate change, you yeah. know, which is great. Yeah, it's 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 awesome. But um, I think we also need to be looking at you know the workforce. We need to be looking at these workers and, and these individuals, right? Because
0: um, this is not sustainable,
1: right? <laughs> right. Am I right? in
0: yeah. thinking that? Yeah, yeah. It's not sustainable. So if we're talking about sustainability, I mean, that's conventional part
1: of it. Com- com- conventional agriculture is that sustainable, or we're we gonna go to like what is it right that is mm. I don't have a, a specific opinion I'm not in that um you don't have yeah. a
0: dog in that <laughs> fight <laughs> so
1: yeah I, yeah I I think that's as a, a it's a huge questions and I, I was just looking or watching these these um kind of uh, research that was recently done and and we're we're so worried about cars you know electric cars and all this stuff because that's really having an impact to the uh, climate change and all that. Have we questioning our own food system, right? Yeah. Like meat, eating, and all that stuff, mm-hmm. like is, is that Carbon impacting?
0: footprint <laughs> and all that, yeah, right, right. Um,
1: so there is all these, these different type of, of conversations, but I just wanna say too that um, right now, I'm talking too much about um, workers and the greens and in yeah. the berries and all that, but I think the whole kind of, um, uh, food, um, system or, or yeah, I, I can't find a better word for this. Is if let's say in the central Valley, right, you have the milk, mm-hmm. uh, you know, yeah all, yeah all the dairy producers all the day also we have found and we have heard that workers there oftentimes they don't even have the basic kind of like paid you know mm-hmm. they don't get paid their overtime they don't get paid to all this and that so it's a lot of abuses yeah. and different type of of systems. in the meat industry for example in the cow industry Oof, uh, that,
0: that gives me shivers when i think about what i the little i know about that
1: yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah i i think that um We have cases where um, whole families, entire families are in charge of these kind of farms. Sometimes it's called family farms, Uh but um, you just get paid like once once a month, (laughs) right?
0: Let's take a quick detour here to talk about another consumed supporter. Slow Food Co-op's mission is to empower health and well-being in the community by providing quality groceries, local produce, and exceptional customer service. Slow Food Co-op sources from local producers, ensuring they offer their shoppers great food and household staples. Slow Food Co-op is your friendly neighborhood grocer, maintaining non-GMO standards and a variety of organic selections. You can find Slow's only community-owned grocery store and their website at slowfood.coop and visit the Slow Food Co-op in-store at 2494 Victoria Avenue in San Luis Obispo, California.
1: And there's another thing, too, in terms with um, right now, there is all these concerns and worries. There's a lot of about uh, workers shortage, you know. uh, I uh, mean,
2: uh, I was going to ask
0: you all about that. (laughs) It's so
1: short. It's so short. And and, and there's two things there. One, they cannot find... people who lives in this state or this country that are interested to become a farm worker. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they don't want to do that job, right? Yeah. While we, we don't want quote unquote the illegals mm-hmm. or the undocumented people here. But they don't want to do that work. So and the, these 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 growers have to say they're suffering because they don't have these these workers. And what they're trying to do now or they are doing right now, they have this one program that's called the H2A workers. That for me is the modern modern slavery uh, mm. program tell
0: me about that
1: the h2a workers is kind of like what i was telling you about um the bracero program
0: yes i thought it was similar to that
1: it's, it's basically that you know it's it's h2a workers is specific type of visa um um the whole you know employers have to follow a process in the system here get approved by the uh department of labor And and go through that. But once they are approved, they can go to Mexico. Usually, they go to our neighbor country, Mexico, Mm -hmm, you know. mm -hmm. Um, And those rural, very like communities that have a lot of poverty where they know they will recruit individuals. That they have no other choice but yeah i will go with you i don't i don't know exactly what's gonna happen that Mm. uh, in that side of the border in that country but i i I heard that there's opportunities and and it's where i will go there's a lot of risk for these families you don't know this who is recruiting them really have that all permit of this or we have seen other people trying to recruit them but then they um uh, how do you say they uh kidnap them you yeah, know there's yeah. all these different risks and they bring them for those that they bring them here this n- there's not really um a good system or knowing for those workers because those workers are being controlled mm-hmm. you No, know, imagine you going to a different country and be controlled not having that freedom mm-hmm. you know only like you're gonna be working in, the, in this one city yeah. uh, monday tuesday and wednesday and thursday friday and saturday you will be brought to this other city and you will be in a in a bus in school bus mm-hmm. move from one place to another one and you will be in a hotel
0: and you may and you likely have left family behind oh and... yeah you're,
1: it's only men yeah
0: oh okay it's Got it.
1: m- my, the majority is 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 male mm. and is young actually bracero program I, i'm gonna go back to that yes bracero program that the 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 term bracero Mm -hmm. comes from like in spanish bracero it's brazo you know which is Mm arm. so that means that it's only like kind of like people who are healthy who are strong Strong. who's young will eligible for that program right Mm -hmm. (laughs) for Mm -hmm. bracero and it's A workers you're not gonna see people above 40s or their 50s mostly 18s 20s um uh, th- because they want healthy individuals to be able to do this type of work because it's not an easy work.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: It requires a lot of physical um, uh, kind of like conditions to be able to do this this, this old yeah. type of work. And, and the position that you had to be like eight hours in a day, 10 hours in a day, it's just, we have to just go there and record it and we can just see how these people skills are. Because that's another thing. People are thinking that farm workers are not a skill are not high like skilled workers
0: mm-hmm. it's a very high level yeah
1: you know to do that i couldn't
0: work. get hired most of the people <laughs> i know couldn't get hired. i mean no right right it is it's a skill set that a lot of people do not have
1: and and that's H two a workers bringing these these individuals moving them from one place to another one um, we don't know what's going on with them. Uh, we don't know what city they will be today and what city they will be tomorrow. I don't. We don't know if they they're being eating or not. Is ha- that
0: the main concern with with that program? Is that you can't track where people are and they have no agency. They have no control over where they're
1: going. Well, the, the, people will tell you that there is control. Mm-hmm. They will never will acknowledge that there is no control. But what we see, if you're telling me as an organization reaching out to farm workers and trying to like provide them with basic information about their rights, I have little interaction with H-2A workers mm-hmm. because we don't know where they are. We don't have access to them. Oftentimes, these H-2A workers are being isolated from the rest of the domestic workers in their own fields. There will be H-2A workers will be in a crew and like apart. You know, They might mm-hmm. be working in the same company but isolated to each other.
2: It's and that's a very controlled system yes. <laughs> like
1: happening because they don't want domestic workers to interact with H-2A workers and H-2A uh, workers, they don't want them to be interacting with domestic workers hmm. because domestic workers might be more kind of like aware about the system here versus H-2A workers are Gosh, not, you it's know. It's driven
0: a lot by fear.
2: <laughs> yeah. yes. on
0: On all sides, fear of not having enough labor, mm-hmm. fear of not having enough in your native country, Fear of having domestic and um, visiting people interacting, there's just a lot. There. And if you have
1: an accident or if you have any kind of like abuse in your work, you will have fear of, 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 of saying something because what you are being, what they're being told is that okay, if you complain, next time you will not, mm. you will not bring back. you will not be recruited to re- bring back here because you're gonna be uh, targeted.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, that's, a, that's kind of a, the system that we see in the fields. If you are a person who talks a lot and complains a lot and all that, they, they put a red tag on you and they will, be, they will start identifying you. Mm-hmm. And if you are within that H-2A workers, you know, they are, you are more vulnerable. You're not going to bring back. And what people want is to be able to come back.
0: Can I can I play, I don't want to say devil's advocate here, but uh, can I play an advocate for a different angle? Is mm-hmm. that okay? Absolutely. I think um, among farmers, I know a couple of farmers pretty well, and they feel uh, often used and abused by the system above them as well, where, um, you know, farmers are not always highly regarded in our country. They're not given a lot of the... Um, tools and agency that they would like to be able to run their company do you see that as a trickle down kind of effect from n- maybe farmers not being valued not not given what they need to have a successful business is certainly in the way they used to um and so then they don't have enough to pay people i don't know or or provide all of the the health and safety measures and and um things that that the farm workers might need. Am I off base on that?
1: I just don't, I just don't believe that narrative. Yeah. Tell Uh, me why. Farmers are always going to come and say, tell you that they are coming from a family kind of like, I I, I don't, I don't. Okay. Let me think. How can I articulate this? If you're going to go into business, you know, the expectations, you know, what type of business you're going to know. Right. Mm -hmm. And if you're going to be able to sustain that business or not, but for you not being able to afford what is all these conditions, that it means you need to you have to have the right to abuse on 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 your workers, hmm. not paying your workers, so so your business can be successful. I think hmm. that we cannot justify that. Yeah. If your business is not being profitable, if your business is not being sustainable, maybe you need to stop doing that business. Then don't take it out don't on take, on uh, on not, other people. Not trying to abuse another human being Mm. to make profit for your business and for your family. Mm. I think that's bottom line. Um, I think there is very successful companies in that industry and there's a history of it. Uh, I don't want to go all the way back, you know, with the black, uh, black people, I mean, the agriculture conventional, conventional was built from a very racism point of like point of view and practices using people using people Uh i think that's this is more about racial thing this is about more about black communities being a slave and i Mm -hmm. can abuse on them and do the work and i pay them and i'm becoming rich you know while i'm victimizing myself Mm -hmm. i'm i'm a small company i cannot afford this it's too much expenses too many laws and all that like Okay, don't get into that business. Mm -hmm. And I think if we look into historically, it's black communities, indigenous, black communities, Mm -hmm. uh, Asian, Filipinos, more recently, Mexican, and now in the 2000s, in the 90s and 2000s, indigenous migrant people from Mexico, Mm -hmm. right? And this is interesting that all these workers are coming from you know what we call the black indigenous yeah. people of color communities minorities communities that often are more abused mm-hmm. and oppressed yeah right so i, hmm. I I'm, I'm not saying that what you're saying about these farmers is not true maybe it is so maybe they should be doing something else then hmm. yeah. but not abusing on workers not taking on the on workers
0: Good answer. Good answer. Um, You came to my attention because of some recent news. Well, there's so there's two pieces of news, one that is um, really, really tough to ignore and one that is really wonderful. I'll tell you the first one is I I heard that your state senator in District 19 just recognized um, your organization as her nonprofit of the year uh, for 2020 one and it's especially connected to your work with farmworker rights, COVID-19, uh you know, your response to COVID-19 and the 2020 US census. That did that feel like an acknowledgment that you were did that feel like a, a the right acknowledgment for what you had done in the year 2020, a huge year.
1: It was a huge and it is still a huge year. It's been a lot of work um I think our organization, as I mentioned at the beginning, it's is our 20th anniversary. One thing about nonprofits, right? These, these sectors, especially nonprofits has been led by people of color, um, or, or on that leadership. It's, it's always been undermined oftentimes or not, um, invested on these nonprofits. So, but what we're doing our, our best, you know, keep our, our work moving forward. Uh, creating new kind of initiatives, having good um, and solid kind of partnership with foundations and and building all that type of uh, of um, uh, support and allies. So when COVID nineteen hit, you know um, there is all these state uh, programs that was launching, you know, and one of them was the Disaster Relief for Immigrants. Mm-hmm. Our organization was, was one of the 12 organizations in the whole state uh, being chosen uh, by the state to support them on, you know, um, uh, providing that support to, to those those communities. And we did it for Santa Barbara and Ventura County. Mm-hmm. Um, we created our own 805 and DocuFund uh, mm-hmm. for Santa Barbara and Ventura County, specifically supporting undocumented people that Mm -hmm. oftentimes is being left you know outside to any kind of support when we have natural disasters disasters or problems so we recognize that and we 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 were there to support them so to answer your question i think we are feeling very grateful Mm -hmm. i i think it's it's an acknowledging acknowledgement and a recognition to the work that we do that often times we don't get and and i think more than that i think it's it's just like um, an, an opportunity to uh, have that kind of like, not attention, but at least people looking more on to us yes. that we are here. Yeah. And that
0: there's a need for you. And what is that need? And the more we look into it, the more we find why you exist.
1: There's still there's not a lot of people that knows about... I mean, they all see us as a Mexicans. Oh, there are Mexicans. You know, they speak Spanish. But we're not realizing... Um, that within the Mexican communities there's a lot of diversities mm-hmm. and one of the diversities that we have there is the indigenous people that we come uh, with our own language that is not a dialect from Spanish or English it's mm-hmm. our own, it's language. own language and, yeah. and we have um, probably more than a do- dozen or 20th of different um, language indigenous languages of d- different communities indigenous communities coming to 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 here and i and i think the needs and 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 what we bring here it's it's very unique Mm -hmm. um so i think this this acknowledgement or this recognition um award um we really are uh, grateful and thankful, mm-hmm. um, because that brings a little bit of stability.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So the other piece of news that I discovered you through was, um, what's going on right now in the berry industry. Um, can you talk about the, 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 um, how, how you are advocating for people in the fields who are in the berry industry and what's going on specifically right now?
1: Yes, um, so because of the work that we do, and because we're very, we have a very solid trust between farm workers and the very industry and in our organization. Mm-hmm. Uh, so workers knows us. That's that's kind of the work that we do, you know, empowerment, organizing, uh, leadership development, uh, know your rights, um, and all that type of work. So as a result, of course, people will trust on us, and people if they are having issues in their work place they don't know they don't have any other kind of like kind of like support that they can know but mm-hmm. they just reach out to to us because probably we are the only ones who they can think of awesome. so yeah. they reach out we are we're not representing workers mm-hmm. um i don't want out there people thinking that our organization is a union we're not a union mm-hmm. we are not representing workers but we cannot say no to our workers reaching out to us and say we need your support mm-hmm. you know um, this is what I'm doing and or the workers will tell us what, they, what their demands are, what they're trying to do, and we're just there to support them. Um, what do they want there? And, and bring that also uh, visibility and say, this is what the workers are, are doing and this is what they're demanding. And so that's been the case in Santa Maria. Um, there were two strikes. Um, and one in Oxnard, and for the last uh, four months, I think it was in, in in April, May, and the last one was in in July.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And what is interesting here is that these people are asking for a better pay or a little bit of a, a raise. Um, it's a very complex pay system in the very industry, because if you are a worker, you can get paid as a minimum wage if you're working per hour, mm-hmm. but if it's if it's a lot of like uh, fruit or berries. Mm-hmm. and then they 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 move you or they shift you to be like by contract yeah and they, they stop paying you by hour but they start paying you by boxes mm-hmm. and this is a very um it's a system that I think it's like to make you produce faster yeah you right. know mm-hmm. <laughs> to, to work faster
0: yeah to ensure that the actual what you're producing is you know, not just by the hour, but by the
1: product, by boxes, yeah. you know, the more you <laughs> yeah. produce, the, the more you get paid. Mm-hmm. But the reality is that there are different conditions among workers. They might be those ones that are pretty fast and there might be those that are pretty like slow. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and there's, there's not, um, so the law says regardless if you're picking up the numbers of boxes to make your hours of right now, the, the minimum is 15, um, 14 uh, or 15, Mm. Uh, so if you are making I think the law is saying to those employers like regardless if the workers make enough boxes during that contract contract se- se- season mm-hmm. um, you still need to like make sure that you're paying the minimum you cannot pay less than that to your workers okay. Okay. right yeah. so for some workers they are saying like oh and what I think what some of the companies are saying okay we're in, in a contract and I will start paying you ten dollars an hour mm mm-hmm. And and plus whatever you do in boxes. Mm-hmm. So what workers were demanding is okay, you're gonna pay me this is interesting. A twenty pound boxes is two dollars and when you're buying these strawberries, you're paying like four dollars for a little basket.
2: Exactly, exactly. <laughs> I know. So uh
1: workers were like and I feel so embarrassed to say this, but workers are fighting for cents, like yeah, yeah. ten cents, twenty-five cents, you know, mm-hmm. thirty cents. Um and they don't want to increase that per box. If a box is being is is they're paying the workers for two dollars, workers are asking for two twenty-five, like twenty-five more. Yeah. Um, yeah. so I, I I think that's that's how bad it is. And that's how um yeah. So mm-hmm. we're just there to support them and say, okay, if this is what your demands are, you just need to communicate to your employers. And we're there to also trying to just tell the employers, you have to listen to your workers, yeah. right? right? So that's that's pretty much it. We're supporting workers, not um, representing workers.
0: Gotcha, okay, yeah. yeah. Um, you're so, uh, well, you've been with the organization a really long time, so I, like I was saying before we started recording, just I have no, there's no doubt in my mind that you'll be able to answer anything I ask you. <laughs> um, where does that, that... I mean, you're extremely bold in how you are approaching power structures. Where does that come from for you in your, does it come from somebody like a parent or a grandparent, or is were you just born that way?
1: I think it's both. I think it's a mix of everything. I think it's, it's me growing up listening to my grandmother, mm-hmm. my my grandmother from my mom's eyes. You know, she was um, a farm worker who was traveling leaving her her rural communities in Oaxaca going to Tapachula Chiapas for the cotton industry Mm. she moves to Veracruz for the uh, cane sugar industry and then later she moves to Culiacán Sinaloa which is another part of Mexico for the tomato industry and all these stories they will I will see it for hours it's kind of like the time for us to listen to grandma grandma right and through her stories, I was learning the injustice, but I was not aware of it at that moment. I was just learning her suffering because there were not a positive thing to her stories. Mm. All was about abuse abuses that her employers did to her and to her husband, um, and to people from their own her own communities, and stories about people bullying her for not able for not being able to speak Spanish and she could not stand for herself not that she doesn't have a voice or a power Mm -hmm. but because she was not in a position to be able to communicate because we are and in Mexico there's this patriarchal system also it's a very it's a lot of racism and discrimination towards their indigenous communities And I'm coming from an indigenous community. Yeah. So my, my, my grandma was telling me all this. And at that, at that moment, I was like, oh, poor you, right? Oh, I feel sad and I feel bad for you. She, little that she knows, she was empowering me and she was helping me to see what life was for a farm worker. Because she, was, she died when she was almost 90 years old. So wow. what life was for a farm worker 70 years back mm-hmm. in the past. When I crossed the border in two thousand and three here, when I came in Oxnard Ventura County, I was a farm worker mm-hmm. little there i I know I soon I realized I was living the life that my grandma lived
2: mm-hmm. you
1: know I was in a place where people start bullying me because being from Oaxaca, I would start seeing other workers bullying people from oaxaca and I just, I didn't know I was different just to be from the state of Oaxaca. And then I realized, okay, so I'm coming from Ixteco communities and indigenous people. For, there's all these beliefs that indigenous people are poor, mm-hmm. are ignorant, mm-hmm. are dirty, um, they're not smart, <laughs> they're mm-hmm. short, they're black, all these uh, prejudice and stereotypes towards indigenous people. I was in la- like living it, right? Mm-hmm. So I, that's how I got interested into it. Like I said, okay, so so interesting that my grandma lived this, what I'm living here. And I just I started thinking, there's nothing had changed for the last 100 years mm-hmm. for, for farm workers. No matter if you were a farm worker in your own country or you were a farm worker in this country. Because then I realized that this company who did the cotton industry in Tapachula Chiapas, Companies that did the sugar cane in Veracruz, and companies that did the toma- tomato in, uh, uh, industry, co- these companies in Mexico they were not a Mexican companies. <laughs> they were they were companies coming from the USA Contracted that they were sourcing the their, their, their their uh you know their companies in Mexico, and you're seeing it today with the strawberry industry. Mm-hmm. You see writers and Driscolls names in Baja California Mexico. Yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. so um, I was like this is so interesting and that's how I got interested on um, getting to know more about that. This is a this is a people's problem or this is a system problem, mm-hmm. right? Is this a and I, and we have the answer. This is a system. There's a system of oppression that has been for not 20 years ago. It's been for hundreds years of, ago
0: gosh that is so uh, timely right now you know this is a I think a lot of people are becoming more aware of that system not a people problem but a systems problem
1: well there's people who are are, are, I'm sorry to say this but um, I should not be sorry but um well people create systems so Mm -hmm. people who are coming from privileged communities who create this system of oppression to oppress for people who are not being coming from as uh, communities with privilege?
0: Yeah, yeah. You know? Are you talking to me? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think you should not be taking it personal, but I think. Oh this no, is, this you, is...
0: you're talking to the right person. I have no, I, I, uh, I, I, I've seen a lot in the past couple of years that has shown. Uh, even just a fraction of what that privilege looks like yeah yeah and my part to play in
1: it and i just and i just told the story about my grandma but that was that was my dad's story that was my mom's story that my mom didn't know how to read and write and i was when i was i was a kid i was like mad why my mom didn't know how to read and write when she will go to school and signing these like you know great reports and all that she will just put that the X right because that's her signature I was blaming my mom for not knowing how to read and write but later I realized that was not my mom's fault Mm -hmm. that was a system that didn't allow her to be in school Yeah, because she has to be in the tomato industry when she was 7, 8 years old Mm -hmm. picking up tomatoes (laughs) that pulled her out from being in school Right. Hmm.
0: This is uh, such a good conversation to have. And, and I'm realizing as you talk to me that I often, I, it's rare I can have this conversation for one simple reason. I I don't speak Spanish. I don't speak, what is the name of the language? Mixteco
1: that- or Zapoteco or okay. Pecha.
0: Okay, got it. I can't communicate with a lot of folks who could tell me things. And and that's not even counting folks who don't want to talk about it because they have fear for their immigration status, all that kind of thing. But just can't communicate a lot. So I'm really grateful that, um, I don't know, that you had this impetus, that you had this drive that was given to you by hearing stories from your family members to go forward and you know, take your experience in Oxnard and bring it forward to a community organizing uh, role, because now I can talk and you can, you can tell me these stories and you can, you know, not represent people, but you can just be a storyteller, you know, and inspire an interest in me and in my listeners. I also do feel really powerless to help. Um, that's a real thing that a lot of privileged people feel um short of you know cutting a check to my cop what can people do
1: i think absolutely i i keep saying you know um um i was talking this conversation what people can do and i think people can talk to their own people you Mm -hmm. know Mm -hmm. if you are in a position that um if you believe and and these um, that things need to change um, and that um, and, and if you have this start start believing on this equity mm-hmm. social justice and treating other making like this world a better a better world and recognizing there is recognizing there are population with privilege yeah. <laughs> yeah. and all these different concepts and I think it another thing that you can do is start having these courageous conversations in and mm-hmm. in, 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 in home and, and and family and other individuals right um as you just said uh, other than cutting checks i think that's that's a good thing to do but definitely get involved in um this policy work and this 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 system how can we how can we contribute into a systematic change? Uh, how can we contribute to a system? So this system that we recognize is not, um, it's not a good system mm-hmm. for, uh, those people who are in disadvantages, you know, I, I, and I think exercising that power because there is a power here. Uh, the system and we are voting is is a power thing, mm-hmm. um, engaging in conversation maybe someone is voting for some for this system to keep the system that we are you know but maybe starting having this conversation what we might get that one person that one vote Mm -hmm. for the next time to vote for something better um there are initiatives um i'm still and i still hope not to die without seeing a solution for this immigration system of this country yeah you know mm-hmm. um, plain and clear, I don't believe in borders. as an indigenous person, uh, myself, mm-hmm. as a mixteco myself, I would like to strengthening um, uh, a better partnership collaboration with brothers and sisters who are indigenous, native communities of this country, be respectful to their lands because they were they are the owners. And see if we can come out with something that we were before. Mm-hmm. There were not borders. We welcome people because we treated people as people. Mm-hmm. Um, people took advantage of it. Um, and, and I still believe that some kind of solution needs to be done. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we can stop um, seeing uh, mothers dying and when crossing the borders and leaving all these kids behind or fathers or parents dying Mm -hmm. or young individuals dying crossing the borders or being raped when they cross the border. Mm -hmm. Um, It's more than a conversation. I think what people, your audience can do is start questioning this. Like there is not a system. People believe that we're coming or crossing the border and we don't want to go through the process of getting a visa or yes. a type of but there is no such a thing mm-hmm. and in our immigration system there is not such a thing that enables us to follow that process mm-hmm. so i think it's time to do something there mm-hmm. and i think what people can people that are listening to us they can contribute something to that yeah to start questioning that yeah to start questioning these international policies that some Sometimes or oftentimes is happening in silence between governments and impacting communities yeah, like my impacts, communities, big yeah. impacts. Yeah. So there's a lot that people can do, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just those conversations, it's questioning the, those people in power and and, 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 and hold them accountable yeah. to what they're doing and the decision that they're making mm-hmm. and how that is impacting to our um Disadvantaged communities.
0: Yeah, as far as <clears throat> donations go, however, um, that could be useful for getting an office in San Luis Obispo, right?
1: As a, I mean, as a nonprofit, we we'll always we have our annual event, fundraising mm-hmm. event. So our organization is it's, it's being sustained because of grants, mm-hmm. because of uh, contracts. We provide language services interpretation, so that's one example of revenue that we have. But absolutely because of the support of individuals who yeah. want to contribute and donate. I think we have a, a track records on using funds in a very um, careful way mm-hmm. that is invested and communities that we are serving, which is the indigenous migrant communities. We have our we have um our overhead expenses because oftentimes people, they don't want to invest in overhead expenses or administrators. That's they want what to. makes it go.
2: <laughs> but that's, that's what, what makes, makes it, it possible, yeah, right? Yeah. So
1: we are right now in Oxnard. We have our office there. We have in Santa Maria for the last four or five years we're being in Santa Maria. We're looking into San Luis Obispo County. I'm not sure if it's going to be here in San Luis No, po? no, but in the
0: county, yeah. In
1: the county or yeah. in Paso but there's indigenous migrant farm worker communities in these counties so sure. we're looking forward to build that and i think we we'll are welcome any kind of support as yeah. well
0: okay i'm so glad to talk to you i'm so glad that um you know we can have a courageous conversation so that others can too i appreciate you being here asinio
1: thank you for inviting me
0: So you can tell I forgot to ask Arsenio what he would eat and drink on his last day on earth. And so I had to ask him afterward. And he said he would eat greens harvested from his parents' farms in their village of San Francisco, Higos, Oaxaca. And he would drink chile atole, I hope I'm saying that right, which is like a corn soup style drink and he would spend his time with his daughters, his brothers, his parents, and his closest friends. So there we are, we finished the circle. Thank you for listening to Consumed. It means a lot to see how the podcast has grown in 100 episodes, and it's all thanks to you listeners. The podcast is edited by me this time around because Chris Lambert is amazing and busy with other very important stuff, but he's still forever part of the Consumed family. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate and review and share with all your buddies. Okay, until next time, I'm Jamie Lewis.